beginning a brand new series today called Genesis, and I'm really excited about this. For the next five weeks, we're going to be in the first few chapters of Genesis, and there's so much there. If you ever want to know what God wants to do, just go look at how He started things. If you ever want to know, what does God want to do? For example, if you want to know what, re- what the kingdom of heaven is going to look like, what Revelations is all about, that whole thing, just go look at Genesis, and you're going to see the way God makes things is how He wants them to be, all right? So we're going to, we, you know, you get into the new year, 2016, as Kristen was saying, and uh, you start thinking about new beginnings. I get to start over. And, and I, I think, let me just say this to you. I think there's sometimes that we, some of us, kind of shy away from that because it is so cliche, and people make fun of it. Everybody's in the gym now, but wait till August, you know, that kind of thing. And so there's some folks that say, well, I'm not going to jump on the bandwagon. Let me say, God created us for seasons. God knew we needed that. That's why there are seasons in our life. And so there is nothing wrong with a new year saying, I'm going to do something new. I'm, I'm going to try something, and I want to encourage you to do that. Uh, and so just, just dive in. I, I want, as we move through this teaching theme, I want you to... I want you to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Because I can tell you, every series that we do at the beginning of the year resonates with us through the entire year. So I want you to take good notes. I want you to go back and listen to the podcast. I want you to really ingest this and let it be a part of you. How many would agree to do that? Will you do that? Four people. Good. That's awesome. I'm excited about this. So new year, new beginnings. When you look up... The Hebrew word for Genesis, it means that new beginnings are just beginnings. And so we want to go back and and talk about how God does beginnings. Because God does stuff good. Wouldn't you say that? That'd be good tweetable. God does stuff good. So let's find out how God does beginnings. Genesis chapter 1 and verse number 1. I'm reading from the New King James Version today. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good, and God divided the light from darkness And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. So the evening and the morning were the first day. How God does beginnings. If you're taking notes, write that down. If you're not taking notes, write that down. All right? How God does beginnings. I want to pull out a few things today that I feel like will help us as we're beginning things, some of you are in new relationships, some of you are in new jobs, some of you are, it's just a new year, you feel God doing something, and you want to, I want to help you today get through this year, get into a, a, a new season. And so, this, the first thing that really stood out to me during my study, and this is something I'd never really taught on before, was that part that says, the earth was without form and void, And darkness was on the face of the deep. So, a few things. Number one, how God does beginnings. Write this down. Number one, 
he starts with nothing. When you look around, everything you see came from nothing. There was nothing, and now there is something. That's how God works best. God works best when he starts with nothing. That word nothing, I think there's three descriptions of the word nothing found in our scripture. First of all, the earth was without form. It had no form to it whatsoever. That word form or without form in the Hebrew means this. Now listen and see if this speaks to where you are right now. Confusion, emptiness, chaos, desolation, futile, meaningless, and how about this? Waste. So the earth was confusion. That's all it was. That's all that was there was just confusion, emptiness, chaos, futility, desolation. It was meaningless. It just this bunch of, in other words, in my Mississippi vernacular, it was a bunch of mess. Look at your neighbor and say, it was a bunch of mess. The earth was a bunch of mess. Let me say something to you. God does His best work with messes. Now, I know that you and I think, for some reason, we got to get it all together and all right before God can do what He wants to do in our life. And it's easy for you to look at maybe someone on a stage with a microphone or to look at Nick that's living in Haiti or to, to look at... Your people that you admire and say, man, when I get there, when I can reach that, if I can just get my stuff together, then God can use me. How many would just say, yes, you, that's how you think? Y'all are a bunch of liars, I'm telling you right now. I'll, right, I'll call you out right from the stage. Y'all are lying. For some reason, we know God saves us from our sins when we're sinners, right? How many agree with that? The first time you come to the Lord and you call out to Him that He just saves you by His grace. Amen? But why do we think that once we've become His children that we've got to get everything right before He'll use us? It's the same grace. The same grace that He shed on you when you said, please forgive me, I confess that you are Lord. That same grace is made new every morning. And when you get up in the morning, He has enough mercy for your messes. Man, that's a good word right there. And that wasn't even in my notes. Somebody needs to tweet that, right? Say it. There is enough mercy for your messes every morning. That means when you wake up, there's a fresh pot of mercy just bubbling like a percolator like your grandma used to put on the stove. Just bubbling up, waiting on you. Just for you. Don't wait till you get it all together because God does good stuff with messed up people. Now look, I want to stop right now because I can tell you, as a pastor, I can feel spiritually what's going on right now. There are some of you right now that say, that ain't for me. I know you're talking about others, but that ain't for me. I want to stop everything right now. I want you to hear what I'm saying. I'm talking to you right where you are. 
just as messed up as your life is. I don't care what you watched last night, what mistake you made last week. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. As messed up as you are, He can take that and turn it into beauty. So that should be it right there. It should just be like, just this big applaud, uproar, just people throwing money in the offering plate. That's the word right there. That's it. Isn't that what we all wait on? Just someone to accept us as we are? Okay, I'm going to keep preaching. I didn't get it, so I got to keep going. (laughs) The second word that stands out to me, it was without form and void. That word void means void. When I say the word void, you don't have to say it, but in your mind, what, what do you see? To me, I see lack. Uh, I think of loss. I think of a cavity. I think of there was something there and now it's not there. If you want to write down three L's, for me, I think of lack, loss, and loneliness. When I think of the word void. But the Bible says that God started with a void. And that's what He created out of. So if, if you and I are going to create something, we have to have the materials before we can do it, right? Whatever those materials are, whether it's clay or whether it's paint or whether it's lumber for a house or whether it's an idea for a song or a melody, we have to have something to work with, not God. God does His best work where there is nothing. A void. It was empty. And I feel like that A void is actually a possibility for God's creative power to kick in. That's what I feel like. And I think the scripture proves that very clearly. So could it be that your void is a God thing? Could it be that that person deserting you is a God thing? Could it be that that job you didn't get is a God thing? Could it be that that mistake that... that, that You didn't really even make it. It was made, and because of it, you're suffering because of it. Could it be the lack of finance or the lack of that right job? or I don't know what it is for you, but whatever that void is that you're looking at going, if I could just fill that up, could that be a possibility for God to do a new work in your life? I'm not talking about some dumb mistake you made, okay? I love, I always have to feel like I ought to preface that because people are like, well, I can just go mess everything up and God's going to do it. Well, He'll still help you out of it, but don't do it on purpose, okay? I'm talking about those things that that person left you and you didn't know why. Why, why are you, what's the deal? You, you did me wrong, you rejected me, or I don't know why I can't get that job promotion. Because what if God has something, another level for you that you would be just satisfied if that void was filled? Let me talk to the single folks right now. Those of you that are single, whether you've never been married or you have been married before, many times that can be this thing that you carry around with you like a big weight, like if I can just do this. But Paul called singleness a gift. He said there is a gift of singleness. It's a beautiful thing. It doesn't mean you have to be that way forever. But I was, Chris and I pastored singles for 10 years, single adults. And I want to say to you, some of the sweetest times you can have with the Lord is when you are a single adult. 
Don't rush through that moment. Waiting for that one, that Mr. Right or Mrs. Right to show up. And you miss the sweet, beautiful moments where God could do a work with you. Don't look so much for that promotion or look so much for that next thing that you feel like will fill that void that we miss out on these moments that God wants to work in the voids that we have in our life. And you know the old, the old saying, you know, we try to fill the void, right? And when we say that, we always, uh, for me, I always think about you know, people that, that abuse alcohol or people that do, they're trying to fill that void in their life or cutting themselves or whatever it is. I, I think we, we do it other ways as well. I don't know about you, but like, what is it about guys? But we just love when things just like connect and fit. You know what I mean? You ever like packed a U-Haul with a group of guys before? And you will see them go, hey man, I got, I got a spot for that and right here. Come here, bring it here. Guys, am I, what am I talking about? It's like, Look, watch this, watch this. That, that ain't going to fit, man. I'm going to tell you, you're going to break something. Mama going to be mad. No, watch, watch this. And it's just like, and all the guys are like, whoa. It's unbelievable. Like packing a car. Y'all, packing a car for me is very serious. Any men, would y'all agree with that? Like, I'm I get, I plan it out like days in advance. Kristen can tell you, I literally will bring all of our luggage down from the attic, and I'll lay it out, and I'll go, which bag are you going to use? Is this, is this a big luggage trip or a little luggage trip? And we'll get it all figured out. And then in my mind, I'm going, all right, now this is going to fit there. Boom, boom. And here's what I find. If, if there's room, it drives me crazy. We could have put more stuff there. Chris and I just went on a trip the other day, and I thought, I'm taking a little suitcase. I'm going to take my little suitcase, you know. And so I got my little suitcase where everything fits in it. And I packed so little that I had room for stuff. So I just started taking extra clothes and just stuffing them in there. Because you have room. Why not put something there? How many of you find you do the same thing with your life? God gives you a little void and you start shoving things in it. You get a little margin and you start, you know, Dr. Phil Brassfield was with us several, several months ago and he preached about the miracle of the margin. Creating those margins in your life. I will say it this way. Create some voids in your life. Don't fill everything up. Don't let all your time be taken away. Don't, don't, don't spend every dime. Don't find some void in your life so God can have some creative license to work there. Look at your neighbor and say, just make some room this year. And say this, I want you to say this with me, this is powerful. Space gives God creative power in our lives. Let me say something, that's what fasting does for you. I'm going to tell you right now, I, I, I've been on two 40-day fasts in my life where I did not eat for 40 days. I don't recommend that for anybody. It was a God-called thing that God called me to do. I will tell you the hardest thing about those, those days were what do I do with all this time? Do you know how much time we spend eating or thinking about eating or planning on eating? I was bored out of my mind because I was not just going to roll up to Papacitos and let them eat chips while I'm sitting there staring at them. Let me tell you, if you will take, here's the best way to fast. 
is say, instead of taking that time to spend eating and hanging out with people, I'm going to take that time and spend some time with the Lord. Create those pockets in your life. I'm not a good preacher, but this is really good preaching. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm just going to brag on me for just a minute. said it was no form, it was void, and here's the other one, it was dark. Darkness was covered the face of the deep. How many of y'all hate the dark? Just raise your hand. Don't like it? Get you freaked out? I'm talking about like pitch black, can't see nothing right here. I'm not talking about like the relaxing kind of dim moonlight dark. No, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about like dark. That kind of dark. I don't like it. Because I don't know what's going on. You hear things, start freaking out. Just can't get it. God does most of his work in the dark. He can see pretty good in the dark, you know. God does most of his work. And the issue with that is we can't see what he's doing. And that's when we start freaking out. We're all good with the light, you know. Like, okay, we're doing good. Everything's good holding our hand. But all of a sudden, it goes black. And we start freaking out. And what do we start saying? When those dark times in your life, we all do the same thing. God, please show me what you're doing. <laughs> show me what you're doing. And I, I feel like maybe instead of us praying for him to show us what he's doing, we should pray for him to help us trust what he's doing. Even when I can't see him, I can't hear him, I don't know where he is, to know that God does his greatest creations in the dark. Number two, the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. The Holy Spirit, number two, write it down, the Holy Spirit likes to hover. I got tickled when I wrote that down this week. The Holy Spirit likes to hover. I can see him like a hummingbird. <laughs> Holy Spirit likes to hover. You know, we talk a lot about the moving of the Holy Spirit. And I was raised in a Pentecostal church, and we always talked about, I feel the Holy Spirit moving, just move, I feel him moving, you know. And even those of you that that weren't raised in that kind of background, when you talk about the Holy Spirit, you talk about he's moving, his Holy Spirit is is working, right? You know, Jesus described it like the wind. You hear it, you don't know where it's going, it's the the wind, It's, it's moving But the Holy Spirit does His best work when He hovers. And I'm going to say something. I'm going to explain this to you. I will tell you something. Anytime God gets to do something new, you can feel His Spirit start hovering. How many know what I'm talking about? Like you'll say like, I don't know what's about to happen, but something's about to happen. How many get that feeling sometimes? Like, okay, something is happening. That's the Holy Spirit going... I don't know how he hovers, but that's kind of my mind. I don't know. He's trying to make a UFO, but it didn't work. It's more like a hair dryer. And that's why I keep preaching. <laughs> the word hover in the Hebrew means this. So when it said, and the Holy Spirit... Hovered. The King James says moved. It comes from the same Hebrew word that means to hover or to relax or to rest. 
Remember what I said a moment ago where I was like, Holy Spirit is moving. Holy Spirit is working. Holy Spirit is powerful. But the Holy Spirit does his best work when he rests. Just, I think I'm going to hang out here for a little bit. When you see God showing up and leading his people in the, in the wilderness. Remember when they came out of, out of Egypt and now they're in the wilderness. Can anybody tell me how he led them? What do you lead them by? It's not a trick question. I don't know. I'm asking you. No, I'm joking. By what? A cloud by day. See, God's just genius. Like he knew, well, I can't do a cloud at night because they can't see it. See, that's how God is just brilliant that way. A fire by night and a cloud by day, right? And the and, and they, he would stop. It would stop. They would set up camp, do their deal. And then they knew it was time to move on when that started moving, right? And it just kept on moving. Forty years. Just moving and moving and moving. And I think that's kind of where we are. It's like the Holy Spirit is moving, so I'm going to move with Him. And that's why you have so many church hoppers and people that move from revival to revival. And what's the next new book? And what's the coolest new church? And who's the next? What is, what's the word I can get from somebody? Uh, that's good preaching right there too. And it's this moving. He's just moving. I feel the Holy Spirit moving me, moving. But watch what happens in Second Chronicles 5. This is the dedication of Solomon's temple. Now, remember the story. And I told you at the beginning of the year, I told you at the end of the year, I'm going to be spending a lot more time in the Old Testament this year. I really feel like I feel the Lord dealing with me to get and bring some of those stories out of the, out of the Old Testament that will teach us New Testament truths, all right? And so the story is that, that David wanted to build God a temple, uh, a house, and God said, you can't do it. I'm going to let your boy do it, all right? So David gathered all the stuff together. He really made Solomon's job kind of easy. So now after all the work and the labor, now we're at the dedication. Y'all still with me? Okay. We're at the dedication, 2 Chronicles 5 and 1. When all the work Solomon had done for the temple of the Lord was finished, he brought in the things his father David had dedicated, the silver, the gold, and all the furnishings, and he placed them in the treasuries of God's temple. Now jump down to verse number 13. Uh, verse 5. The trumpeters and the musicians joined in unison to give praise and thanks to the Lord, accompanied by trumpets, cymbals, and other instruments. The singers raised their voice in praise to the Lord and saying, He is good. His love endures forever. And I'll sing because you are good. And I'll... I don't think that's what they were singing, but it's kind of that thing. Then, everybody say then. Then the temple of the Lord was filled with the cloud. And the priests could not perform their services because of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord filled the temple. But when you get priests to shut up, you're doing an amazing thing. Now watch this, 2 Chronicles 6. So now, this happens, Solomon steps up. And he begins to pray a prayer. And this is a prayer of dedication. He's saying, he's saying, all right, God, this is your house. I want you to know this is your house. And he said, now arise, Lord God, and come to your, say it with me, resting place. You and the ark of your might, 
May your priests, Lord God, be clothed with salvation. May your faithful people rejoice in your goodness. Chapter 7, verse 1. When Solomon finished praying, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. The priests could not enter the temple of the Lord because the glory of the Lord filled it. When all the Israelites saw the fire come down and the glory of the Lord above the temple, they knelt on the pavement with their faces to the ground and they worshiped and gave thanks to God saying, He is good. His love endures forever. All right, now back to the wilderness. Remember wilderness? What happens? Fire and cloud, or what are they doing? Moving, leading. But as soon as God had a house, the fire settles. The cloud settles. It rests, it relaxes, it comes and it just sits. You want the Holy Spirit to do a work in your life? How many want that? Now, if you don't, don't raise your hand. If you're like scared of him, you should go back and listen to some of the teachings we've done. You should never be scared of the Holy Spirit. He is your comforter. He is your advocate. He wants to help you be what God called you to be. If you were not in a, in a, in a, a, a religion or, or a denomination that talked about the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit, start studying more about Him. Start getting Him to be a part of your life because you're missing out on what you can really do if you're not allowing the Holy Spirit to rest in your life. So I want to see the hands of those that want the Holy Spirit to do a work in your life more this year. All right, let me tell you how. Dedicate a space to Him. Say to him, all right, this is your house. I do it every Sunday. I say, God, this is your day. This is your church. It ain't mine. I'm giving it to you. Have your way. But what if we started giving him our homes? Just get up in the morning. Lord, this is your home. These are not my kids. They're your kids. Please take them, Jesus. Please. (laughs) What if you could give the Holy Spirit a place to relax? That makes me feel good that he's moving and he's, but he's looking for a place that he can come and hang out. You can just say, God, come make yourself at home here. And watch what happens. When the Holy Spirit starts hovering, when he relaxes, that's when he does his best creative works. So if your life is stale and old and dry, just dedicate your life to him. Dedicate your house to him. Dedicate your business to him. Give it to him. Say, Lord, this is yours. Come and rest here. And number three, how God does beginnings. And then God said, let there be light. And there was light. Number three, he uses his words. You ever had to tell your kids that? Use your words. Kristen has to do that to me about once a week at least. Just use your words. Quit grunting. Will you quit grunting? Will you use your words? God uses his words. This is something that to me is so powerful. That God has faith in his own word. Remember what it was like at the beginning. Void, empty, dark. God said, let there be. It had never been light before. Think about that. There was, there was no such thing. But God dreamed it up. 
his imagination. And he said, let there be light. And boom, there was light. And if you read on, it says, and God saw the light that it was good. It's almost like he's like, all right, let's try this out. Let's see what this is going to be. Let there be light. And it's like, boom. And God's like, whoa, that's good. I'm going to make some more things. And he's just creating stuff with his mouth. You notice that? Everything he creates. He, the only thing he gets down and hand makes is us. Oh, I love that. We'll, we'll talk about that at some point later on. We're handmade by him. Everything else is just let there be, let there be. By the word of his mouth. That's how powerful the word of God is. He doesn't even have to get his hands dirty. He doesn't have to get any splinters. He just says, let there be a giraffe. There's a giraffe just walking around. Let there be, let there be, let there be, let there be. Then why are you and I not just going crazy over this? When there's so much creative power in just the word. that instead of it being a I gotta read the word today have you read your word today what if it's like man creativity it's all in here just more of it just eat it up it's good for you and it tastes good and it's so easy to do now man you know what it used to take for people to read the word you know what it's like I mean, do you know what it is in other countries for people to get the word? And you and I just like scroll past it on our phone to get to Instagram. There's apps that will remind you. Have you read your word today? We just swing by that thing. Got to check who posted what. Let's see here. And instead of getting creativity and life and nourishment, we're on social media getting jealous and angry and stressed out and wondering why they invited them to that and didn't invite us and wondering how she lost that much weight and why he's wearing that. No. That is a good word. And we'll be teaching on it. I'm going to be teaching on, on, on stewardship. And I do believe that God has given us social media and that we're supposed to use it as a platform. I do believe that. But it can also be a detriment to you. But there isn't, y'all, it's so easy. And everything goes back to His Word. His Word is all-powerful. His Word is truth. It is real. And so I want us as a church to commit to His Word this year. Let's commit to His Word this year. Let's do it. it this 21 days of devotion, I believe we're going to look back and it's going to be so impactful in our life. And, and we talk about prayer, we talk about Bible reading, and we talk about fasting. I don't want the fasting to be this big ominous thing that you're so worried about, that you forget about getting in the Word, and that you forget about praying. On the 21 days of devotion, uh, there's a, a great Bible study we're going to be doing. How many have the Bible app on your phone? The Version app. How many have that? Let me see how many do not have that. You should take out your phone right now and go to it. Just go into the app store right now. I'm giving you permission to stop listening to me. Go to the app store and type in just Bible, Holy Bible, version. It's going to pop up and get it. 
grab that thing, and here's what we're doing. We're going to be following a 21-day devotional as a church. If you don't know where that, you can go to our website, the 21 Days of Devotion page, and you can click on it, and it'll take you there. You can download the app. It gives you all the stuff. But just so many easy ways to get into the Word. I think for some reason, we used to try to make the Word hard, you know. You just got to get up early and read it. You can't like it. Don't like it. God doesn't like it when you like stuff. So dumb. There's so many ways to do it, make it enjoyable, be, be with friends, whatever. And so let's read it. Come on, say it with me. So let's read it. Let's read the Word of God. If we raised our hand right now and ask how many of you as believers have read the Bible through, we'd be astounded at the people that have never read the Bible through. And that's not to make you feel guilty. I was, I was married and I was preaching the Bible. I was a preacher of the gospel. And I had never read the Bible through. Never. Never read it through. Y'all, it's so easy to do it. Get the Bible out. Get the one-year Bible, one of the greatest things God ever created. The one-year Bible. You get it. it just tells you every day. You get a little Old Testament. You get a little New Testament. You get a little Psalms. How many of you like reading the Psalms? Yeah, because they're short. Yeah. Until you get to 119, you're like, oh, my God, is this thing ever going to end? Where's 117? Let me get back to that one. Just get that. Read it. And look, it doesn't have to be legalistic. You're going to find out that when you get into it, you're going to get to where you can't get enough of it. You're going to fall in love with it. My mom read the Bible through in 18 days. 18 days my mom did it. So I think we can do it, right? If you can't do it in a year, do it in two or three years. Whatever you can do, just get that word in you. Get that word in you. We're going to be introducing something. I'm so glad the Smiths are here. We're going to be introducing something later on in the year that's going to make you fall in love with the Bible even more. And going to give you an overview of what the But We're dedicating this year to getting into the Word, getting into prayer, getting into fasting. So first of all, let's read it. Next, let's believe it. Come on, you got to believe the Word. If you have questions about the Word of God, if you don't really believe it's true, do some research. Get in there and start finding out, God, this thing is real. What it says is real. And God has faith in His own Word. That means He doesn't ask you to do anything He doesn't do. He believes in His own Word. And then lastly, let's speak it. Don't just read it. Don't just believe it. Speak it. God so believed in His own Word that He said it. I want you to look at me. Okay, now you can get off the app store. If you haven't found it by now, then you need some help, alright? So, look back at me. Give it to your kids when you get home. They'll figure it out for you. I want you to look at me. I'm going to be... Very transparent with you right now. I, I don't know what's going to happen this year. I have no idea. As a leader and as a pastor, I want to say, we're going, let's go do it. But I don't know. I have, as much, uh, I have as much trepidation about this year and what it brings as you do. What's going to happen with finances and what's going to happen with terrorism and what's going to happen with this and that. I mean, I, I, I think about all that stuff. But I do know that God has given us a blank canvas. And I do know what I believe. And so because I believe it, I'm going to say it. See, believing is not, believing is not knowing. Believing is not knowing. The whole point of trust is you don't really know. You know? How many times can I say no in like two sentences? 
It's the whole point of it. You don't really know. It's dark and void and formless. I don't really, but that's when faith kicks in and you say, I believe it and I want to see it. Before I can see it, I've got to say it. That you begin to speak things out. And that's why I'm telling you, we're, we're going, there's something powerful about speaking out because you're accountable then. Right? I'm going to lose weight. Oh, God, what did I do? I just said it. And they heard it. It just comes out, and then you're accountable to it. And it makes people around you accountable. So there's something about just speaking out. What do you want to see this year? What do you want to see God do in your life? Say it. Open your mouth and speak it out. It's like me standing on this stage saying to you, in five weeks, we're going to two services. I don't know what God has. I don't know what God's going to do. But I know that we believe it, and so we're just saying it. Christian can tell you, there are other times I was going to say that, but I'm in the back going, I can't do it. I can't do it. We're not ready. I can't do it. But I believe it's so strong now that I'm just saying it. And it may end up being me, Kristen, and who else? Doesn't matter. We're going to say it because I believe what God has told us and shown us that there are people out there that need to have their rear ends sitting right here and we've got to make room for them. Thank you for that obligatory golf clap. I appreciate that. It makes me fired up as a leader. <laughs> Same thing with you. What is it that you're scared of? What is it you're worried about? Well, just say what you want to see. If it lines up with the Word of God, speak it out. I am well. I am healed. I am whole. I am free. I am saved. My kids are going to be all right. Say it. All right. Come play so I'll shut up. One of our Bishop Joseph Garlington, one of my favorite people in all the world, pastors an amazing church in, in Pittsburgh, says this, your words create worlds. Your words create worlds. God said, let there be and everything happen. Same with you. What you say, it begins to create things. So the word of God. Let's read it. Let's believe it. Let's speak it. Let me add one more. Let's do it. James said, don't just be a hearer of the word. Be a doer of the word. Let's go do something about it. We're going to do some exciting things this year. I want you to mark on your calendar the Friday before Easter. Do Good Friday. It's something we do every year. We take Good Friday and we do something good. It's going to be the best and the biggest we've ever done. I'm telling you that right now. Be the best and the biggest we've ever done. We're going to we're going to we're going to shine God's light around this city. I want you to get fired up for that. Set that time aside. That day we're going to do something powerful. Not just hear it. Do it. How many want a new beginning? Something in your life you want a new beginning. I'm waiting. I want to see. Here's what I want you to do then. Give him your nothing. Well, I would say give him everything. Give him your nothing. Hand over the stuff that you don't understand. Hand over the void. Hand over the for- the formlessness. Hand over the mess. Give it to him. Secondly, Invite His Spirit to come and rest.
hover, be around you. And thirdly, commit to his word. Three things. We can do that, right? Just three things. Give him your nothing. Invite his spirit to come and hover and commit to his word. Let's stand.